Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Man, we're so glad that you've chosen to join us for worship today. It's uh, an opportunity for us to look back into God's Word once again and to really try to gain some understanding and clarity about things that God is doing in our world. We've been going through a study at Grace Fellowship Church uh, through the book of Daniel for the last several weeks. And uh, if you've missed any of those, I'd really encourage you to go back either on our website or our app and try to catch up with us to find out what you've missed so far. I love studying books like this, even books that are thousands and thousands of years old because they still have relevance to us today. In fact, culturally, there's relevance in what we've been looking at as we've gone through this book. It's been pretty amazing as I've had conversations with people and as I study each week, there are things that we've hit in every chapter of the book of Daniel that has spoken to something that we're going through uh, as a church, as a state, as a nation, as a world right now, this very week. And so I think we're going to see that be exactly the same again today, that we're going to see God's activity in the world in a way that's going to speak to us, but maybe in a different way than you've ever considered before. And so as we jump into this, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. And as we start out this morning, we're going to be getting to a place where we're wrapping up our series. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 10 today and then chapters 11 and 12 together next week. That's the plan. And here's what I want you to know. Daniel 10, 11, and 12 are all one section where a lot of these other chapters of the book of Daniel have stood independently or have been different blocks of time, Daniel's chapters 10, 11, and 12 is all one part of his book together. And so we're going to break it up just a little bit, but it all ties in and plays in together. What we're going to see today in chapter 10 is kind of a precursor to a vision that Daniel has been given. And we're going to see some behind the scenes things that come from the vision that he's been given. Then next week, we're going to look at the detail and the depth of accuracy that God gives when he predicts the future and when he prophesies about future events. Then in chapter 12, we're going to find how God wraps everything up and draws a close to this section of history and to Daniel's book. And so as we jump into these things today, I want to remind you, last week we talked about Daniel chapter 9 and how Daniel fasted and prayed and called out to God for some specific things. He had been given a vision by God that he didn't understand. And so he spent time in fasting and prayer. And as a result, God was so good and gracious to give Daniel an immediate response. Daniel prays and almost immediately an angel shows up to tell him, here's what's been going on. You're favored by God and God wants to explain this vision to you. It's a unexpected response, but it's an immediate response. What we're going to find today is that Daniel basically does the same thing. There is some, dep- uh, he deprives himself of, of food in some level. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute. He spends time in prayer, 
but he doesn't get an immediate response this time. In fact, God's response is delayed. It takes a period of time. And so we're going to see this morning as we look at this passage that there's a pretty fascinating reason why the response was delayed. And it has everything to do with things that are still going on all around us today. So I hope you'll jump in with me as we study Daniel chapter 10. Turn in your Bibles there and let's look at the first verse and we're going to read through the whole chapter together. Here's where it starts. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. That was his Babylonian name that was given to him by King Nebuchadnezzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Over the 24th day, or on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude." I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and they hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the day, the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and I was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said, peace. Be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. Now, at the very beginning of this passage, 
we see that Daniel is in distress over this vision or this revelation that God gave to him. Daniel, when the book started, was a young man in his teens. By the time we pick up with the story now, Daniel's about 84 years old. He's an older man. And so in seeing these visions over the, his life, he's seen incredible things from God. God has shown him and revealed things to him for him to make known to his people. And Daniel has seen incredible, incredible things. But when this vision comes to Daniel, it causes him to become anxious. He's filled with anxiety. He's filled with mourning. He says he's so broken over what he sees that he mourns for three weeks. His mourning and his anxiousness over this vision cause him to deeply call out to God. So last week, we talked about how Daniel would pray and fast and seek God. And that was consistent in Daniel's life, that he prayed and he fasted. Part of Daniel's uh, mourning in this passage was to practice self-denial. It's not really a full fast. He doesn't completely give up food, but he does practice self-denial. He tells us that over the course of time as he prays, he gives up choice meat and wine. It reminds us a lot of what we saw in the first chapter of Daniel when he is taken captive into Babylon and he asks the guard there to only give him and his friends salad and water to drink for a period of time. This again goes back to that same idea. He's not completely fasting, but he's denying himself. And I think for us, there may be times in our life when we feel like God calls us to an extended period of time of prayer for something really specific. And maybe you're not going to give up all food during that time, but maybe instead of a full fast or a true fast, you practice self-denial. That you say, God, as I pray about this and as I'm really seeking after you in this, I'm gonna give up something that when I miss that thing and when I want that or when I crave that or when I would naturally participate in that activity that I'm giving up, it reminds me and draws me to prayer. And, and so a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world during the period of Lent will do this leading up to Easter. And for 30 to 40 days, they'll choose one thing to give up and they'll say, during this period of time, I'm gonna give up this activity or this food or this thing that I enjoy or that I like in order to make more room in my life to seek Jesus. And so I would encourage you, maybe there's things in your life that you need to be praying about and asking God to come through in your life for and that you would find something to deny yourself in order to seek after him in deeper prayer. Well, Daniel's in a place where the vision that he's been given causes him to realize only the power of God can come through for me. I can't do this on my own. I need God's power to come in and do something for me here. So let me ask you a question. What situations come up in your life that cause you to realize I can't do this on my own? I need God to come through for me. Well, hopefully, as we continue to mature in Christ, we start to realize more and more that we need Jesus in every part of our life. The sad part of the reality of our lives as Christians is, and, and just as humans is, we think we can do everything on our own. We think we can handle every situation that comes our way, every problem that comes our way, and we tend to only go to God in prayer when something comes along that we can't handle on our own. Something too big for us comes along and we, now we have to scramble and run to God and say, bail me out, help me here. I, I need your, your wisdom, your guidance, your instruction. Help me, God. And what we need to become as followers of Jesus and our discipleship in following Jesus is people who pray, people who seek after him and know, I need God in my marriage. 
I need God in raising my kids. I need God in educating my kids. I need God in my workplace. I need God in my neighborhood. I need God to fill my life in every activity that I engage in. That's where we need to be as Christians. We need to humble ourselves before God and realize that without his power in our lives, we can do nothing. And so that's where Daniel is. Daniel's in great need for God and he's praying to him continually. So in verses four through 11, we see God's answer show up. Would you look at this passage with me? On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a gold belt of fine euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his arms like flaming torches and his arms and his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw it. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they, flit, they fled and they hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now let's talk about just a few things that take place in this passage, just some talking points around it. Number one, when the angel shows up, Daniel describes him and he is amazing, right? Like supernatural in every sense of the word. He describes him and says he saw a man, but it's not a man. I don't know any man who looks like this. No matter how amazing of a bodybuilder they are or what kind of shape they're in or what kind of incredible feats they have, I don't know anybody who looks like this. This is not a mere man. This is an angel that shows up. He's a supernatural being. And Daniel's friends who were with him in this moment when the angel shows up, it says that they didn't see the angel, but his mere presence in their space alerted their senses to run and hide. They go away trembling, even though they didn't see the vision. And Daniel's left alone. Now, to me, that makes me a little bit curious to think that maybe in our lives, there are things going around all around us in a lot of different times that we're just not tuned into, that we don't see, but that there are supernatural things happening all around us in the unseen realm that we need to clue into. I think that's what's going on here. Now, it's possible as well that not only Daniel's friends left him, but the angel is so stunning that Daniel says he lost all of his strength. Now again, he's 84, 85 years old, so he's an older man at this point in time, but there's nothing that we've seen so far that says that Daniel's not a vibrant guy. But when this angel shows up and after he spent three weeks praying and denying himself choice food and meat and wine. Daniel is weakened and he says he lost his strength, his face turned deathly pale, and he was helpless. And Daniel falls to his face on the ground and he says, even when I saw him, I fell into a deep sleep. And the angel has to come and we see it three different times in this passage. We're not gonna look at all three of them, but three different times in the passage, an angel has to touch Daniel, pick him up, encourage him to stand and, and strengthen him. 
And so there's some supernatural things going on. And that's what we see at the end of this verse. The angel picks Daniel up. He tells him to stand. When God has something to say to us, he says, you stand up in my presence. I want to speak into your life. And so Daniel stands, and here's what we see as we get the message from the angel. Daniel's been praying for three weeks, asking God for the ability to understand, to have wisdom for the vision that he's been shown. And look at what the angel tells him in verses 12 through 14. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel's told that in answer to his prayer was dispatched on the very first day that he started praying. But it's not until three weeks pass by that the answer finally comes. So what took the angel so long? We know that there's not a deep space between heaven and earth because last week when we saw Daniel pray, an answer showed up immediately. An angel was dispatched from the throne of heaven and he was there with Daniel to give him wisdom and understanding. So what takes the angel so long? Well, he tells us, he says, I was dispatched, but along the way, my route was hindered by this prince of Persia. And you go, now who is this prince of Persia we're talking about? Is this a, a man? Is, does he get held up? Is, is there something in our uh, dealings with the kingdom of Persia? Did he not have the right paperwork to get into the country? What was going on? That's not it at all. This is not a man. This is an angelic being. Actually, it's a demonic being who stands against the purposes of God. And you go, okay, pastor, where do you get that? It doesn't explicitly say it was a demon. The prince of Persia is this demonic force. So where do you get that? Well, when you get into verse 13, and the angel gives the explanation for what's been holding him up, he says, I was fighting against the prince of Persia, and I was being held up until God sent your prince, Michael, the prince of your people, to come into fight. He is a chief of the princes of God's army. And so we see this same terminology being used to describe Michael, an archangel, and this demonic being. And so there's this fight that's taking place. And here's what we need to understand. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'd love for you to write this down or fill in blanks on your app. There are heavenly realities that stand behind human conflicts. All right, get that. Let that sink in just for a second. There are heavenly realities that stand behind human conflicts. Now, most people go through their entire lives and they never wake up to the reality that there are things happening all around us that we can't see. A lot of people think that that's just something that takes place in sci-fi movies. But the reality is, and the truth is, we need to be aware today that there are unseen battles taking place in the heavenly realms all around us that are fighting and warring for God and his purposes in this world and for Satan who's trying to block the purposes and the plans of God. And so what we need to be able to see in our lives is where God is at work and where Satan is working to oppose him in unseen realms. We find other passages like this in scripture in the Old Testament. In fact, in 2 Kings chapter six, we read a story of the prophet Elisha and the king of Aram came against Elisha. He wanted to overtake Israel, 
But Elisha, the prophet, kept going to the king of Israel and telling him the plans of the Aramean army before they would come. So Israel would be ready. They had a defensive against their attack. In fact, in 2 Kings 6, one of the king of Aram's men says to him, this guy, Elisha, it's like he's standing in your inner courts, listening to your plans and then telling them to the king of Israel. And it infuriates the king of Aram. So he says, well, if I can't get Israel, I'm going to first take out Elisha. So he sends his army to the city where Elisha lives, and he surrounds the army. Well, the next morning when Elisha and his servant is with him, when they wake up and they go out, his servant goes out and he sees the city surrounded by the Aramean army. And he goes back to Elisha and he goes, what are we going to do? They're out there. They're everywhere. What are we going to do? And Elisha, cool, calm, collected, he responds and he goes, don't worry. Those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And I can just imagine Elisha's servant in this moment. It's not recorded in scripture, but I can just imagine him looking around and going, those who are with us, who are you talking about? I don't see anybody with us. I see an army out there. There's chariots and there's horses and they've got warriors and there's spears and shields, but I don't see anybody with us. I don't see an army. And then Elisha prays and he asks God to open the eyes of his servant. And as soon as he does, his servant looks out and the Bible says that on the hillside around the city, there are horses and chariots of fire containing the armies of the Lord. The servant had not seen them, but they were there in the heavenly realms surrounding the army that surrounded Elisha. And so Elisha's not bothered at all by this human army because he knows that God is fighting on his behalf in unseen realms. The same thing is true for us. Our world is in a state of spiritual conflict. Satan is fighting so hard to destroy the work of God in this world. He is fighting so hard to take as many people with him to hell as he possibly can. Satan hates the redemptive work of Jesus and his desire is to blind people from the reality of their need for a savior and the reality that Jesus is that savior that they need. And so Satan is fighting and his demons and their armies are warring against the plans and the purposes of God. Now, because we know that Jesus has already come, he's died on the cross, He's been raised from the dead. He's defeated Satan and he has ascended back to heaven. We might ask the question then, well, if Jesus has already come and won the victory for our sins on the cross, why are the battles still going on? How is Satan still allowed to fight if the war's been won? Well, that's a great question. And before I really answer it, I wanna tell you a story from World War II. After the Allied forces won World War II, there were still skirmishes going on in different places. So the allies would fly planes into areas and drop pamphlets to let civilians and soldiers know the war is over. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have great communication. So they would just drop these pamphlets in places to say the war's over. You can stop fighting, go back home. But there was a specific uh, a soldier, a guy named Hiru Onoda, who was a Japanese intelligence officer fighting in the Philippines at the time of the end of the, world, of the world war. And he completely denied the pamphlets that the allies were dropping. He said, this is bogus, it's tricks. They're trying to get us to stop fighting. The war's still on. And so for 29 years after World War II, 
this Japanese soldier and his troops continued to fight in the Philippines. They used guerrilla warfare tactics in the jungles. Can you imagine that? For three decades after the war was over, they kept fighting, they kept causing trouble, they kept up the war. Satan's like that. The war's over, but he hasn't given up. God hasn't brought a conclusion to the final battle yet. It's part of his plan to allow these things to go on. We don't always understand that, but it's part of God's plan and his purpose. And though Satan is defeated and he knows he's defeated, let's make sure we get that straight. Satan knows he's lost, but he's gonna do everything he can to drag as many people to hell with him as possible. So he continues the fight. He continues pressing against the plans and the purposes of God. Christians, I want you to hear me. We're in a war, but it may not be a war like you think it is. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians what kind of war we're looking at. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Get that, people. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. Where? in the heavenly realms. We aren't fighting against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. Even people we disagree with, even people we have political differences with, ideological differences with, cultural differences with, racial differences with, people are not our enemies. People are engaged in a battle that some of them don't even know they're in. They've been blinded by the darkness of Satan that he causes in this world. And what they need from Christians is not for us to fight and win culture wars and government wars and all those kinds of things. What the world needs from Christians is to see the love of God expressed. The world needs to see us bring light to the darkness. When we shine the light of Jesus, spiritual conflict changes. People have their eyes open to the reality of Jesus's power to change their life and their circumstances. So let's continue looking at Ephesians 6 and let's see what Paul tells us we need to do as we take place, our place, in these spiritual conflicts. He says this in verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, let me ask a question, and this is going to come up on the screen for you to kind of look at. What are the weapons in this spiritual war as we live in the physical realm? What weapons do we have in a spiritual war as it's taking place in the physical realm? And so here's what we are told in that passage we have the weapons of truth, of righteousness, we carry the gospel of peace faith, our salvation through Jesus Christ, the word of God, and prayer. 
These are the weapons in which God has armed us to fight spiritual battles. And so as we see this, the last thing that's mentioned there is prayer. And that brings us back to Daniel. Because he began praying and he didn't get an immediate answer like he did last week. So what did Daniel do? Well, Daniel continued to pray. He persisted in prayer. And so here's what I want you to see this morning. Your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. Be persistent in prayer as we continue to engage in spiritual battles. This is one of the greatest weapons that God gives to us to fight spiritual battles is prayer. So be persistent in prayer. Daniel had no idea that as he prayed in the heavenly realms that he couldn't see, there were angels warring against each other. Daniel had no idea that there was an angel from God's army and this prince of Persia that were engaged in a conflict that was so strong and so vicious that the angel had to ask for support. And God dispatched Michael, one of his archangels. But even though Daniel didn't know that, when an answer didn't come, he didn't give up after a day or so, he didn't quit after a week, he kept on praying. He remained persistent in prayer. You never know when you pray and what you're praying about and what you're praying for. You never know what's taking place in the spiritual realm that you can't see. So when God doesn't give you an immediate answer to something, don't give up. Keep praying, push into prayer, stay persistent in that calling. Now let's close by looking at one more section of Daniel together. Daniel chapter 10, verse 18, it says this. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. Then chapter 11, verse one. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. So Daniel becomes aware that when the angel is going to leave, he's going to engage again in this conflict with the prince of Persia. But after the prince of Persia is displayed, the prince of Greece is going to come. Now throughout the book of Daniel, we've seen there are gonna be beasts who come, kingdoms who are gonna come. We've been through Babylon, the Medes, now the Persian kingdom, and then the kingdom of Greece is going to show up. We're gonna see them take prominence next week. So Daniel sees these things and the angel tells him, when I fight off the prince of, of Persia, the prince of Greece is coming in. There's going to be another spiritual conflict that takes place. Daniel, the realities of what you're struggling with in this world, in the physical realm, have manifestations in the spiritual realm that you can't see. So for now, as we start to wrap things up in this book, let me just encourage you to be consistent in prayer. Stay faithful to God in prayer. Notice that the chapter doesn't close with Daniel saying, oh my gosh, now that I know about these spiritual wars that are taking place in the heavens, I'm gonna change my tactics and I'm gonna go to war myself and I'm gonna do this different kind of battle than I've ever done before. Daniel doesn't change his strategies. Daniel remains consistent and faithful to pray. And Daniel trusts that God and his armies who are fighting on his behalf and on behalf of the people of Israel and as Christians on our behalf, they're there in the spiritual realm in the unseen places, and they're fighting for us because we serve a good God. 
a God who wants to take care of us. But our power to engage in the conflict comes as we pray. So be faithful in prayer. Daniel remains faithful in prayer and God continues to fight on his behalf. So here's the last thing that I wanna leave you with this morning as we close up. And it's a precursor really for next week's message. So write this down. You can trust an unknown future to a known God. You can trust what you don't know about the future. Daniel doesn't know what this vision is talking about that God's shown him. The angel has said, these things are about a future time, a time not yet have come. And Daniel doesn't get it, but he can trust his unknown future to a known God. Just the same way that Daniel could trust his future, his unknown future, the uncertainty of the future, to God, you and I can trust God with all things. And so I wanna just encourage us and challenge us today to know and see that in our darkest moments, God's at work. In our darkest days, God's at work. Things are about to get bleak for the people of God. But Daniel continues to impress upon us to stay faithful and to pray. So continue to do battle on your hands and knees. Spiritual warfare takes place as we gird ourselves with the armor of God and as we spend time in his word and in prayer. So I wanna just encourage you today, find time to engage with God in that kind of warfare, asking him to move in our nation, in our world, in our personal lives, to bring about salvation through Jesus to individuals and to the nations. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.